Hello and welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Nathan. We are in our third week of our Brick by Brick series. If you have a Bible with you, Pastor Brett will be speaking out of Nehemiah chapter 2. Let's jump in. Welcome today. My name is Brett. I'm the senior pastor at Saints Church here with locations in the Edmonton region. Thank you so much for being here and joining us today. We are uh, in week three of our series or conversations or talks or messages, whatever language you put around it, uh, of a subject called Brick by Brick. Now, it's no surprise that we're in rebuild mode. Our society is rebuilding. For some some of us, we're rebuilding relationships or friendships others of us careers and and to be honest we're rebuilding our church we're not deconstructing we're reconstructing based on the word of God we're going to stand on this truth Uh, in Proverbs 24 it says this this is the amplified you're going to love it through skillful and godly wisdom a house a life a home a family is built and by understanding it is established on a sound and good foundation And by knowledge, its rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. As we take a step forward in this season, as we're rebuilding our lives, come on, brick by brick, one step at a time, one moment at a time, one choice at a time, as we build our lives on a firm foundation, we understand that there is a process to this rebuild. Now, for Oilers fans, we think we know a thing or two about rebuilding. We've been through this, but we don't have a Connor McDavid uh, to stick handle through the sticky situations in life. We have something better. His name is Jesus. He's leading and guiding us, and he's given us this roadmap or a template. Did you know uh, the the theologian George Van Pelt Campbell says that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are scriptural? a scriptural manual for revival. I believe in this next season, Jesus wants to turn the lights on. He is stirring something inside of you. He believes in you more than you believe in you. He loves you more than you love you. He's got bigger plans, dreams, and ideas for you than you have for you. How does he have that? Because he knows you, because he knit you together in your mother's womb. He puts you together. You are handcrafted, and he's got a purpose for you. He's doing something deep in inside of you. But what we have to do in these next few moments is we have to discover the purpose in the process. We're discovering the purpose in the process. If you're taking notes today, if you're tracking with us, uh, my message today is at about midnight. At about midnight. Of course, we're using the book of Nehemiah as a backdrop to help direct our rebuild. We're going to take the timeless truths and we're going to apply apply them to our everyday life. This is Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. Nehemiah, just some backstory, was uh, a bureaucrat, normal guy. He gets this heartbreaking news that Jerusalem is in disgrace. It's in shambles. It's crumbled. And it wasn't so much about a city as it was about a promise, a dream, a hope. He gets this news that it's not going away and it just takes his breath away. And he makes a decision. You know what? I'm taking it personally. I'm going to be a part of the solution. He takes it to the Lord. He prays about it. He wrestles with it. He says, God, I need to do something about this. And at just the right time, he goes and he approaches the king who was his boss. 
And he says, his king says, you know what? I'm going to support you in this endeavor. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to take care of all the details. I'm going to provide you some security. If you're willing to take it on, I'm going to back you up. I think there's somebody here today that just needs to know that when the Lord is opening a door for you, when he's asking you to take it on, he's always going to give you a provision to take on the job. It's not always going to be somebody to pay the bills. It's not always going to be uh, a check in the mail. He's got all kinds of ways to provide uh, for you with what you need. His name, one of the Old Testament names uh, for God is Jehovah Jireh. He's the provider and he provides more than enough. Uh, in, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says more than you could ask, imagine, or dream. That's who God is. I believe he is stirring a generation. He is stirring me I know that, and I know he's stirring you to say, will you rebuild your life, your family, and my church on this? Will you trust me? Will you know that I have a plan and a purpose, that I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? So Nehemiah leaves the king with the provision and he heads to Jerusalem. So he, this is Nehemiah 2 verse 11. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. He took some of his team, his staff. I had not told anyone about the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. God stirred something up. He put a dream in his heart. When we're rebuilding, we're building with a focus. God, I believe, is putting a dream in your heart about what your life could look like, what your family life could look like, what your friendships and relationships can look like, and not everyone is going to understand it. And Nehemiah slipped out at about midnight when no one was watching because it was for his eyes only. In that moment, sometimes you got to go ahead because you're looking through the, the, the eyes of your dreams and your visions that God is giving you. He's given you a framework to dream for this next season. He said, we took no pack animals except the donkey I was riding. And after dark, I went through the valley gate past the jackal's well over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. And I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. Now, my dad always used to tell me when I was a teenager, listen, son, nothing good happens after Midnight, And I'm going to say, come on, for our students and young adults and youth, just, just nothing good happens after midnight. But in this situation, it wasn't so much about the time of day as it was about creating space. About creating space. Here's what I mean by that. Sometimes, as we're moving towards taking our next steps into this next season uh, that we're about to rebuild. And you're, you're saying, listen, I'm a builder. I want to build my life on the foundation that Jesus has laid. I want to build this church. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to take it personally. I want to dive into this. It's about creating space so that you can si silence any and all voices so that you can hear the voice of Jesus. The reason Nehemiah didn't tell anyone is because he didn't want to hear what they had to say before he heard what God had to say before he could see it with his own eyes and look through eyes of faith. So as we're looking at a rebuild, 
We're rebuilding our church. We're putting our affections on building his house because his house builds my house. And as we set our eyes and our affections on building our own lives and drawing closer to Jesus, looking more and more like him, we have to look at the attributes of Jesus. And so we find this in Luke chapter 5, 15 and 16. It says, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. So Jesus kind of was doing things and trying to keep it under wraps. But listen, when God is moving, it, it you, you can't help but attract a crowd because it's, it's amazing to see what happens when Jesus is involved. And you know what happens to us in our human nature? As things build, as success builds, so too does our pride in what we do in our humanity is that we lean into the busy season because we have to maximize the moment and seize the day and we can't let this momentum slip but what does Jesus do he does what's counterintuitive to us because he thinks about this situation the way God's think God thinks about the situation not the way that you and I think about the situation and while we would double down or, or double our bookings or increase our time because we've got a momentum and we've got a building crowd Jesus does something verse 16 he says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Now that word wilderness in the original language is aremos. It's a quiet space. You could say it's a quiet place. Again, it wasn't about the location or the time of day. It was about what he was doing there. He was withdrawing from the chaos and from the crowds so that he could hear clearly. He had to press mute to silence all the voices so he could hear from heaven, so he could hear from God, so he could be recharged. I, I think one of the reasons we're, we're burnt out and we're tired and, and we don't know how to face the next day is because we don't, we don't silence the voices, we amplify them. We use our phones to fill the void. We, that's why, you know, when we go for a walk, you're listening to a podcast or music and you can't handle any moments of silence. There's nothing wrong with any podcast or music or, or binging on Netflix. There's nothing wrong with it except when you're trying to use it to silence or to numb a part of you. The truth is you will not find the rest for your souls that you desire until you find your place, your, until you find your place in the quiet place like Jesus and with Jesus. The key to having the strength to rebuild is drawing near to Jesus, to lean into the presence. Builders lean into the presence. Let's jump back into Nehemiah. The city officials did not know that I had been out there or what I was doing. For I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in administration. God was speaking to Nehemiah. He put a dream in his heart about what he could build. Nehemiah surveyed the land. He saw the broken pieces. He saw the what looked like disrepair, what was described 
to him as disgraceful. He went and he saw it with his own eyes. But when you see it through the eyes of faith, when you see it the way that Jesus sees it, you show up to a, a place that for somebody else is broken place and it's a helpless place. But when, when Jesus gives you the eyes to see it, it becomes a place of promise. So before you take somebody else's word for it, why don't you step into the situation, the circumstance? Why don't you step into that relationship? Why don't you look at your books in a whole new way? Look at that spreadsheet as you're trying to figure out your org chart and what's to do next. Don't look at, don't hear the voice of good advice. Hear the voice of Jesus, the one who spoke the very world into existence. Don't you think with that creative power and with this with that creative voice that he could speak right into your situation and circumstance. But there are things in your life that are for your eyes only. Listen, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a dreamer. I'm a visionary. Sometimes uh, my biggest weakness is I, I live two, three, four, five years in the future. I can see all these things. I can see where we're headed. And it, it's hard for me at times to, to communicate all those things. I try, I try and break it down as much as I can, but there are some things that are for your eyes only. And what I've learned is sometimes you share those things too fast. The dreams, the visions, the plan that God's placed in your heart. And the thing that you are most excited about is the thing that causes somebody else to be afraid. And all you hear is a negative voice. Levi, I'm just going to stop while that noise is going above me. Okay, I'm going to continue. Let's look at 2 Kings 6. Elisha and his servant were surrounded by an enemy army. And they, they had filled the whole valley like this guy's making breakfast. He's scrambling some eggs and he looks out the front window and there's all these uh, chariots and horses and armies. And they're coming to kill uh, his boss, Elisha, the prophet of God. And, and Elisha is not even nervous. And this guy's panicking and he's like whisking his eggs even faster. And he's getting, oh, I'm going to stop again. So this guy, he's panicking and he's whisking his eggs even faster. And Elisha's just chilling. He's like, are, are you not afraid? And Elisha, instead of getting up, instead of, of doing anything else, the way that he silenced that voice, he prayed a prayer. A simple prayer. This is 2 Kings 6, 17. Oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. There are some things that are for your eyes only, that there are dreams, visions, and ideas that God is birthing in you. And when you share them too soon or too much or too frequently, others can't understand it. But there is a right time and there is a right moment and a right place. Sometimes you need to survey the land. You need to go at midnight. You need to go and and do it when no one else is looking for two reasons. Number one, you need to withdraw to the Aramos, to a quiet space so that God can speak to you clearly. Because as he speaks to you clearly... You have a brand new perspective on the situation or circumstance that you're facing. He changes your perspective. He changes your understanding. It just, it's a whole new world. And then you can pray. 
that others in your circle, in your life, in your family, those who are with you, would have eyes of understanding to see it how you see it. That God would begin to stir something within your heart. There's something, I can tell you, there's something that's stirring inside of me in this season right now about rebuilding our lives and about rebuilding this church. Because the truth is, as he builds the church, he will build my life because he says, you are the church. Each one of us are living stones. We're a part of this whole thing. We're a part of his body. He's putting us all together and he's building us and he's got a big plan and a purpose for you and a plan and a purpose for me. This is what Nehemiah does next. When you're ready to share the plan, this is what it looks like. Nehemiah 2 verse 17. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem, and he he describes the natural circumstance. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's, that's how it is. And he says, come on, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about the gracious hand of God uh, that had been on me and about my conversations with the king. He started to share and fill in the details. There's a reason why uh, you're chosen for this assignment. There's a reason why it's you this season. There's a reason why God wants to use you because there is a specific favor of God that is on your life for the task that is at hand. Nehemiah, he had a job. He had a position. He was close to a king and the Lord used his proximity and his faith to activate all of those resources. When those resources were activated, and as soon as Nehemiah began to share those things, uh, eyes started to open, hearts started to be stirred. Why? Because there's power in a testimony. And they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. There are things in your life and in this season, there are stories There are things that are more than coincidences. There are instances of Jesus Christ miraculously providing and working for your life in alignment with his dream for your life. Because really, the dreams that he's giving you are his dreams for you. And we submit our dreams to his dreams. And as soon as they heard that vision and they heard those words and they heard that their hearts were stirred and faith was activated. They say, wow, I can't believe the faithfulness of God. Can I ask you this question? When was the last time you verbalized to somebody else outside of your circle or outside of your life, the faithfulness of God, his power, his provision, his healing, his mercy, his grace? Revelations 12 verse 11 says that they triumphed over him who's the evil one by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. What Jesus is doing in your life, what he has done, what he is doing is powerful and it unlocks faith and the ability to dream in other people. Meaning, Every time you fulfill the purposes and plans that God has for you, it unlocks something else in someone else. That's why it says we're the body. And when one suffers, we all suffer. But when we all succeed, we all succeed. Faith rises, faith grows. It could be that this challenge that you're facing, this what looks like a hopeless place that for some reason you've got a spark in your eye about, 
isn't just going to unlock something for you and for your family. It's going to unlock something for a generation. Habakkuk 2 says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Write the vision down, make it plain, and make it transportable. Make it so that people can carry it. The way that in this verse he says, Listen, God was giving a very specific answer about a very specific prayer request, and he was giving them a plan about how to move forward. In our case, he's given us a plan about how to rebuild. And he says, Listen, you need to put it plainly, plainly, plain language, and then you need to make it so that somebody else can carry that on, they can carry the message. So the question we have today then is what are we rebuilding on? When we're talking about his house will build my house, and we're talking about rebuilding his house, rebuilding the church, rebuilding our lives, what are we talking about? What are we building? And the best words that I can give you today is that we are building a combat hospital. We're building a hospital that's on the front lines. I think of the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 5. He answered them saying, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those, I have not come to call, call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do this church, this house, online and in the room is a combat hospital. We're on the front lines. We're on the front edge and we're doing everything we can to point like a giant neon sign towards Jesus saying, listen, this hope, this life, this healing that you need is found in Jesus. This rest for your soul, it's found in Jesus. Our job is to be a giant beacon of hope saying, listen, Jesus can, <laughs> Jesus changes everything. Can I tell you that every place of brokenness is a place of potential. When my heart beats the way Jesus beats, when my eyes see the way Jesus sees, I don't see brokenness. I see potential. I see the potential of hope and healing and health and life and breakthrough and freedom. We are building a place where people can encounter Jesus, the fullness of him, where everyone, anyone and everyone can discover hope and life that's found in Jesus. Can I tell you, your story as you rebuild right now, your story is a breeding ground for miracles. In scripture, there's this account of this woman. She had an issue of blood. She was bleeding, menstrual bleeding for, for years, over a decade. And every specialist, every doctor couldn't diagnose it. Jesus was coming through her town and... In her society, she was what was known as ceremonially unclean, which means no one could even touch you without going through a seven-day seven cleansing ritual. So she was devoid of human touch and human contact. She, she was full of shame and condemnation because every time she walked through a crowd, she had to yell, unclean, 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 so people could scramble out of the way and not brush up against her. But one day she says, you know what? Jesus is coming and he's the healer. I don't even need him to pray for me. I just need to reach out and touch the hem of his garment. So she presses through a crowd, reaches out, grabs the bottom uh, of his his cloak and healing goes out from me, he turns around and goes, who did that? 
And he, this woman is completely healed in this moment. And it's captured in scriptures for the generations to read you and I to know about. But what is often overlooked is that if you start flipping a few pages ahead, you'll find that her act of faith changed the way everybody else approached Jesus. And in Luke and Mark, it records that not only did the crowds come as they traditionally came, not only did those who were sick and broken and who needed healing and hope in life, not only did they come, but all of a sudden people just started reaching out and the crowd started pressing, pressing and just touching the hem of his garment. Her faith activated a new realm of faith as we rebuild in this season that broken pile or the, the broken pile of, of hopelessness that you just see promise in is not only going to provide breakthrough for you, but for somebody else in your family, in your friend group, in the office. Here's the last thing out of Nehemiah, verse 19. It says, but when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed, they mocked contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked. Verse 20, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. There will always be a voice that comes to silence you. There's always a voice that comes to snuff out the light of hope. There's always a voice of a mocker who says, you're not enough, you're not good enough. Jesus can't use you. Can I tell you, you have the authority in Jesus' name to silence the mocker. You can silence the silencer did you hear what nehemiah says he says the god of heaven will help us succeed we his servants will start rebuilding this wall you have no share no legal right nor historic claim in jerusalem joel 2 25 says i will give back what you lost I will give back what you lost. When you're walking with Jesus, you have his authority. He's given it to you as a son and as a daughter, as a co-heir. And so you have the ability to silence the silencer. It's hard. The second Corinthians says that we, we bring into captivity and we demolish every stronghold, every argument that sets itself up against the truth of the word of God. When Jesus puts a dream in your heart, when he confirms it in two or three witnesses, when he gives you a scriptural plan to move ahead, as we move into this next season, there will be those that would say, you can't build a church that looks like that, that's for anyone and for anyone. You can't do this. You can't, you won't see all these new believers come through. How are you going to disciple them in time? You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't rebuild your family. You can't reconcile that relationship. That's never going to happen. You say, listen, you have no right or claim here. This is God's territory. He's bringing back. He is restoring what we have lost. As we trust him in this next season to build our church, we stand on the words of Jesus when he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We have to remember who it is we're serving and who it is we're following. Psalm 90 says, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from the beginning to end, you are God. You spoke it into existence. Colossians 1 says, everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all things together, which means he's holding you together. 
says Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He loves the church. Brick by brick, he wants to rebuild his church. He wants to rebuild your life and your future. Brick by brick, one step at a time, if we could hear his voice, if we could learn to go to a quiet place to connect on a deeper level, he wants to speak dreams and visions and ideas into you. He wants to let you know that you're valuable, that he created for you for such a time as this. It's not a mistake that you're even here right now, that you're a part of this right now. He believes in you more than you believe in you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's so proud of you. Would you trust him in this next season? Would you set your affections on building his house? Would you come to a place of surrender and say, Jesus, whatever you want, I will follow you. I'm gonna take a risk. Even in the face of the mocker, we're gonna silence the silencer because we know that we overcome by the blood of Jesus, which is the power of Jesus, and by the word of the testimony. We see what we're building. We're building a combat hospital where people can get healed and set free and find freedom. And we're on the very front lines of what God is doing. And we know that as we get healed and people get set free, they become the nurses and the doctors that serve those who are being saved and who are being added to our fellowship. God has a plan and a purpose for you in this season. We are rebuilding brick by brick, but we're building on a firm and a sure foundation. His name is Jesus, and we follow him one step at a time. Well, thank you so much for listening in. We upload content every week, so be sure to tune in next time at the Saints Church Podcast. I'll see you there.